everybody uh happy thanksgiving we made it past thanksgiving we're almost we're almost there guys we're almost at the end uh this is ozzy this is the podcast and um how was your thanksgiving you know was, was it good did you uh did you get all your favorite food did you spend it with family did you spend it with friends did uh did you get into any arguments any politics discussed at your uh, thanksgiving table um did anybody get drunk Anybody uh, throw up? Um, you know, whatever whatever it was, I'm sure it was fun. Um, you know, I hope your 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 favorite football team won uh, on Thanksgiving if they played. Um, I hope you got to uh, you know enjoy uh, the time with your family, with your friends, make some memories, and uh, you know, let's move on to Christmas. Please, let's get through Christmas. Um, how is your Christmas? You know, are your, are your decorations up? Have you uh, have you uh, gotten yourself into plenty of debt for Christmas? That's that's normally what happens. But um, you know, anyway, Christmas is coming up. Uh, I hope everybody's geared up. I hope everybody's ready. Um, I hope everybody has their tamal tamales recipe ready to go. Uh, this week I sat down with Caesar Garcia from Change Mortgage, longtime friend of mine, probably longtime friend of yours. He's been around for a minute. And uh, sat down, talked about a couple of different things, uh, mortgages, of course, uh, you know, his his come up in the industry, uh, how the mortgage company, the mortgage industry is doing right now. Um, you know, a couple couple little things derailed us towards the end. But I think we had a, a pretty good conversation, something that uh, I think there's there's little tidbits that everybody can take away from. Um Disregard the fact that I am a Travis Scott shoe hater, not music, just shoes. Uh, it's my own personal opinion. That's what I think. Uh, don't bully me over it. Please respect the fact that I don't like Travis Scott lows. Um, but anyways, this is my conversation with my friend and yours, Cesar Garcia. What's up with the beard? Hey, no shave November. It's a little patchy, dude. Are you really? Is yeah. that is that really what you're going for? Yeah. That's good. It's, it's funny, dude. I, I every time I try to grow it up, like I have all these patches and I try to fix them, but like my dad has like he's no for my my dad has a mustache. Like yeah. a real solid, like his my his whole life. I've never seen him without a mustache. Yeah. So he's always like, Why do you grow a beard? And I'm like, Well, you've had a mustache like your whole life. And he's like, So shave your beard and have a mustache. Can <laughs> so, you grow a beard? My dad, uh, probably better than I can, probably. Really? Yeah. But mine's very patchy, dude. It's got a lot of, like... Uh, Carlo, you know Carlos, right? Carlos Chavez? Yeah, yeah. He gave me uh, 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 Wax? a thing. No, so he told me you take vitamin... Ah, oh, shit. It's going to make no sense now because I don't remember. I went to Target. <laughs> he told me about them, and then I went to Target and bought them. But you could take like a little vitamin, like vitamin D or vitamin something. Yeah. And then there's this like this little oil that you buy. 
Yeah. And you do it on, you kind of on, like on your palm of your hand. Yeah. Take a little bit and then you rub it on your face. Like within five minutes, your face starts itching. And you're it's right. like a hair, I swear to God. Oh, um, I started doing it for a little bit. Minidoxin or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you put it on your face and uh, like, I couldn't grow anything here on the side. Yeah. Now it's coming, coming in up. a little bit more. Yeah. And Jeanette hates it. But I don't, and dude, my wife hates it too. Like Gina hates <laughs> like the beard. Yeah. But like, dude, I, I kind of dig it, but like I get, I don't, I'm so impatient. So that's really more than anything when I try to grow a beard out is like me testing my patience. Yeah. Because I, I really, I like, I hate maintaining it. Like I would rather shave every third day and be all right, you know? But like I hate having to maintain it and the trim and like clean it and stuff. Like I and hate. then you get to that weird stage to where the hairs get like, they start like pointing out. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then they kind of curl in. I I can't. I, I'm I'm the same way. I I can go like three days. Well, see, this is this is where I'm off. at right now. Like I I'm three and a half weeks, four weeks in this week, but I'm like I'm gonna be patient. Just don't shave it. Don't shave it. And I have a haircut next week, so I'm like I'm just gonna let my barber do it. And if he does it nice, I'll keep it. The beard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Because it'll trim everything up. She but, wanted me to grow my hair out. So this is three weeks of hair. It looks nice, dude. And you're not a big fan of your hair, huh? She likes, uh, huh? No. Yeah, you should. Well, so during COVID, uh, 20, so this is 2020, I want to say now already. Yeah. And uh, everything was closed. So I was at the house and then I took trimmers with like a, like a one or a two, whatever. And I, I just shaved my head. It was easier. I couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. yeah. And then I missed this little spot, like back here. <laughs> yeah. And then Janet got home and I said, hey, I, I missed this little thing here. Yeah. Can you clean it up for me? Just, it's ready to go. Just go like that, you know? Yeah. So she grabbed it and, uh, and didn't put the clip on it. And uh... she just buzzed me back here. <laughs> and you felt it, huh? Oh, yeah. And I felt it. And then I touched it and we looked at it and we're like, let's just take it off. <laughs> Dude, that's funny. And that was the start of it. That's the whole reason I started shaving fault. my head because it was her fault. And she's like, can you let your hair grow back out? And you're like, it's your fault. I don't have hair. So I shaved it and then she was like, oh, I think I like you more without hair. Oh. So then <laughs> I, I kept shaving in it. Right now it's four years later. And the other day she was like, hey, you have a lot of gray hair. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, we were watching uh, TV or something. And then uh, the George Clooney Nescafe commercial came up. <laughs> And she was like, oh, my God, that guy's handsome. Look at his gray hair. Yeah, then, yeah, yeah but I'm not George Clooney. Yeah, and she was like, so can you grow your hair out see how much gray hair you have? So that's the that's the journey we're on. Yeah, I like it, though. It's it's very refined, very mature. We'll see. But even me, dude, like my dad makes fun of me, too. Like, you know, And I talk about him because I just saw him this weekend, and, and he works out of town. But I got, like, grays out here, dude, and up here, and I'm like, I can't hide them anymore. I try to keep the hair short, but I'm like, they're not hiding, dog. It's full of grays. Yeah. It's a real estate market, bro. Is that is this oh, our industry? It's the real estate market. Tell me, all right, let's get a little bit into it. I know, I know you started. Did you start with Saratoga? Yeah, started. Uh, I was a senior in high school when I started Saratoga Homes. Um, a senior in high school? Senior in high school. Okay. And I know I've said this a million times before, but I, my wife makes fun of me, but I did work fast food for four weeks. I worked at a Taco Cabana for four weeks. And when I started my senior year in high school, um, I forget the name of the class at this point. But it, was it like DECA or something? One of those classes, yeah, where they let you work and, and do all this stuff and go to school at the same time. Yeah. So I started a, high, a senior in high school at Saratoga Homes. And, dude, I went to the interview. I didn't know what the, what the position was. 
And when I finally got hired, I walked in the first day. I was like, I don't care. Like, I'm not working fast food. <laughs> I walked in and it was a call center. I was like, oh, no, a call center. But what's cool, man, is is like my one of my first jobs was being on the phone. Like at 16, 17, everything's still developing. So, like, I feel like it really gave me a little bit of an edge, like like on the phone, like those, those calls. Like even today, like, you know, I, I just changed companies, no pun intended, but <laughs> like me going like, well, what do I do? Like, where do I start? Just get on the phone. And, and for me, it was just like, close the door, get on the phone, pull out that get part list, and I'm just calling everybody. Do they still have a call center? Uh, no, they don't have a call center anymore. No. They, they eventually evolved that uh, while we were still there into like from call center agents to like interns. So they would have you sit at model homes. So you got to picture me and two other dudes, um, Alex. Yeah. 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 So we're we're seniors. Did you guys school. get hired at the same time? Same time. We got interviewed together. So like a like a tandem interview, like yeah. stepbrother. Like, <laughs> dude, yeah. <laughs> I was behind them. Like, hello, lady. No, dude, it was funny. Like, I, dude, I can go on forever on the story, but we walk into to their main office, right? I mean, two dummies at high school, and I didn't have any nice clothes, dude. Like, my mom took me to clothes the night before. I bought some slacks, a nice little button up. I didn't have a tie, bro. I barely had dress shoes. And this four shows up in a full suit. Like, I think it might have been a three-piece suit. I think it's PJs or, <laughs> yeah. or yeah, suit. The, the, uh, Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, dude, this four shows up in a three-piece suit. I show up in this button-up shirt and slacks. And we're outside. And, and I'm like, he had a, a folder, dude, like a, like a little portfolio ready to go with, with his resume and stuff. And I was like, Doc, I got a manila folder. Like, like damn. I was like, dude, you're way more ready than I am. And I was like. Did you Google the company? Like, did you pull up what they're about and stuff? And he's like, no. And I'm like, oh, thank God. I'm like, dude, like, and I, and I just told him, I was like, dude, I pulled up their site. Google was around back then? Yeah. Hey, God, bro. <laughs> I mean, I don't. It's 09. Oh, it's 09. Oh, 09. Okay. All right. Okay. It's not Date, that far back. Dating myself. Oh, 09 to 16 years old. But when I Googled them, I pulled up their site. You know, they built in Texas, New Mexico. And at the time, they were still building in Chicago and Illinois. Um, so I had to, they were big on family. I mean, they still are big on family. So I was ready to go to this interview, dude. And the interview before us ran late. HR comes out. She's like, Hey, is it cool? If we interview you guys together. And we're like, yeah, let's do it. Do we go in there? And they asked this guy first, like, Hey, what do you know about the company? Gives him my whole spiel, dude, dude. And I'm sitting there looking at him like, what the, like, did you like, you took my spiel and they saw the panic in my eyes. And I just looked at him. And I looked at the interviewers, it was the call center manager and the HR lady. And I was like, honestly, like that was my spiel. But like based off, like, dude, they, they had like football stuff in the back, like all this stuff. Still didn't know it was a call center. But I, I was like, I just started talking to the guy about himself and he was wearing a Rolex. Uh, he was a Niners, a Chargers fan. So I started talking to him about football and stuff like that. And they hired us both. Hired him for being ready and me for being able to improvise. And I was like, oh, this is great. I'll take that. Every day, yeah. Um, but that evolved from a call center to an in like to interns, bro. And at this point, we're like 17, 18 year olds. We're going to school from going to high school still from 8 a.m. to like 2:30 p.m. And then at four, we had to report to the model homes and just be at the model homes from four to like seven. And then Saturdays and Sundays, be at model homes from. Are we still recording? Yeah, no, uh, yeah. I'm just checking the numbers. Uh, uh, be at model homes from like eight in the morning to like seven o'clock at night on weekends. Mm. So dude, we're going to school full time and then clocking in like 50, 60 hours at 12 bucks an hour. Bro, we're rolling in dough. Bro. Like, wow. I mean, for high school? For high school? Hell yeah. yeah. But it was fun, dude. I mean, I learned a lot. I met a lot of people, like a lot of people that have helped me out like throughout the years and 
who I've been able to really keep in, in, in touch. I mean, people like Lane, like Dennis, like Marty, like uh, um, Louie. Uh, I, I mean, most of the people still active in real estate today, like right. I met at some point while I was just a dumb So you, start, you started in the call center, and then when did you move to sales? You did sales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So call center is June. Like, it becomes an internship program in, like, December, and they fired all the, like, got rid of all the call center, turned it into interns, did that, um, like, six, within six months. Interns? Yeah. What, so what's... We were just sitting at the model homes. Oh, like, dude, but that was the name of it, intern. Yeah, dude, we were interns. Okay. We were gophers, like, with the marketing manager's coffee. But, dude, even then, like, I'm talking to you about, like, six, 17, 18-year-olds, dude, and our job was to sit at model homes. If somebody walks in through the door... Like, you're supposed to greet them, take their info, and if it looks good, you call a sales rep, right? Because mm-hmm. sales reps aren't there. You know, realtors don't like to sit their model homes. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but they, they had a bunch of 17, 18-year-olds just waiting at the door in case anybody walked in, which is, in retrospect, pretty smart. You know, like, we'll pay you just to sit there. And so these salespeople start going like, hey, you call me back to the model when somebody just walks in. Like, don't do that. And I'm like, that's my job. And they're like, no, no, no. Ask them where they work. And ask them what their credit score is at. And ask them how much they make an hour. And start doing some math. And back then, it was like, if you multiply their base by whatever hours, and they make about 25 grand a year, call me back. Otherwise, don't call me back. So, what? I'm like, <laughs> dude, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, like, straight up. Because, like, if you're a salesperson, dude, and you're at an app, and you get somebody, hey, somebody's in your model, like, you want to come back and help them, but you're way more inclined to help them if it kind of sounds like they can qualify. Okay. So these guys teach us very basic fundamentals about like income. And dude, I'm a 17, 18 year old in high school. I don't care about income, but what I'm not noticing is that they're teaching me how to prequal. Like they're, they're starting to tell us like, Hey, like the basic stuff. If somebody pulls up to your model with, with cardboard plates, don't call me. I'm like, why? And it's like, well, cause you know, he just went out, he or she just bought a car like, they're not interested in buying a house. These people are spending money. They're, you know what I mean? Like, the, okay. the very basic, like, probing. Right. So, to me, I'm like, it's starting to become interesting because once you get good at that, like, you understand, like, oh, this person, not someone else qualifies. Mm-hmm. So, you call the salesperson. Salesperson's happy. And now they're like, oh, that was a good one. I got a sale. Here's lunch. And you start realizing, oh, I got a little leverage. Like, I kind of know what your job was. Like, you just walked them around this home, pointed to a plot map. I mean, me being the right. dumb kid that I was. I was like, you pointed to the plot map and then you ran a contract. I was like, dog, I could do that. So, I mean, fast forward, I worked at the mortgage company for like two years. And after I got tired of that, I was like, I think I can sell homes. Like, this looks easy. And because now I sat at the model homes and I knew what that was like. I worked at the mortgage company for two years as a receptionist, like ordering insurance, title, appraisals, still learning more about mortgages, like very basic knowledge about mortgages. Right. And I end up going like, hey, I'm making decent money still. Dude, I was 21 when I got my, my mortgage license. Like, I, I just turned 21 when I got licensed to do mortgage loans. And I was like, oh, this is fun, but I'm not making the money that I want to make. So I can go sell homes. And this is how arrogant I was. <laughs> like, this is how bad and arrogant and how wasteful. Because really, wasteful it was what it was. You know, typically, you go into your model home. You, like, you schedule appointments. You have your week planned out. Right. Because the goal is to sell homes and make money. Right. right. Help help people and make money. 
but me being the arrogant person that I was with my skills back then, I was like, dude, if somebody walks into the door, I'm going to sell them a home. Like, I'm not, like, there's no question about it. Like, whether it's today or tomorrow, like, they're going to come in here, and I'm going to sell them a home. Mm -hmm. And, dude, for, like, four years, that's what it was for me. Like, I would sit at the model home, watch Netflix, and if somebody pulled up at 7.30 at night, I was like, come in. Like, what's going on? What are you looking for? I need a two-bedroom. I'm like, I got a three. I'm like, we, that gives you a two-bedroom and an office. Okay. I need a five-bedroom. I'm like, perfect. I have a four-bedroom in the garage. Like, what do you need a garage for? So, dude, for me, it was just like, whatever you need, I got it. Right. When right. I never did. Right. But that's how arrogant I was. And But wasteful, dude. Like, I was thinking about this the other day. Like, if I really scheduled appointments and, like, really dove into it, like, I could have been all right. But I was a cocky little fuck, dude. I was like 23, 24, like, selling homes, dude. And it was funny, like, if you didn't sell two homes over the weekend, which even now it sounds crazy, but you had to walk in with two contracts every Monday or else you had to do all the extra work, like a call party. Right. Do all the extra work. And I was like, I'm going to get my two contracts. Like, like my appointments were all numbers to, like, circle. Because they would ask you on, on Friday, like, hey, do you have any appointments for the weekend? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have Maria Delgado coming in, number to the circle, okay. And I'm like, yeah, sure, that she's going to come in for sure. And then on Monday, I have two contracts. Like, two people walk into the model. I'm selling two houses. What models are you sitting at this point? Like, um, where are you at? So, I wasn't getting any any good model homes, right? Like, when you're starting off, they're like, you're not going to get prime spots. So, I was sitting Tres Sueños back in the day. Um, and Tres Sueños, at that point, was sold out. So, there was no model homes. This is Montana Joe Battle. There's there's no inventory. We're not building out there. So, it's a dead model home. Um I don't know what it was, dude. Maybe I was lucky, blessed, whatever it was. But somebody would walk in, and and they'd be like, you know, aquí mi hijo vive por aquí. And I'm like, oh, perfect. I'm like, we don't have anything here, but have you ever been to Horizon? Boom, you're going to Horizon. Man. Drive all the way to Horizon, Drive, dude. So it was worse. So at some point, like they'd be like, you're a rookie, you don't know what you're doing, you get a shitty model home. So I got a shitty model home. Then I started doing pretty good. They're like, hey, you're pretty good. We need to get out of the subdivision because it's a shitty subdivision. You get to sit at the... So, dude, forever, all I did was sit at shitty... You're, you're batting cleanup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, at some point, I did say that there was this... I think still there, like a, a very high-trafficked uh, uh, model home on Pebble Hills and Joe Battle. Um, oh, yeah. I forget what it's called. Um, yeah, I don't know, but... Sombras del Sol. The one on the left yeah. of Joe, up Joe Battle towards Montana on the left? Or the one on the right? No, no, no. Like, going up Joe Battle, exit Pebble Hills. Like yeah, exit Pebble Hills. On the left? or on? Oh, on yeah, the yeah, on the right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The model home's been forever. And I got that for a little bit. It didn't work out. But, dude, they, they sent me to Socorro. I sat in Socorro forever, dude. Um, And for a while, when we finished building Horizon, there was nothing in Horizon. And they're like, hey, there's nothing in Horizon, but we don't have a model home in Socorro yet. You want to sit Horizon and then just drive people to Socorro? And I'm like, that's wild. But it worked. Dude, people would walk in and be like, <laughs> and start probing, right? Like somebody walks in and goes, like, hey, I need uh, this, 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 and that. And you're like, I know I don't have that. But you're like, how do you feel about a big backyard? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, yeah, like, do you notice all these backyards in Horizon are tiny? Like, these lots are small. Like, you know, this is kind of small. I'm like, we have really big lots down in the valley. You don't call it, you're down in the valley. And you got mm-hmm. bigger lots. It's nice ambiance. You know, people like to keep to themselves. Okay, the houses are a little bit further apart. You take them down there, and it's like a 15-minute drive, dude. And the people that would stay would buy. And it was, dude, I'm telling you, like, for the longest time, I just got, like, lucky. Like, just just 
I don't know if it was a little skill, a little luck, but I was like, dude, I just got to sell home. It was a good combination of both, probably. A little preparation, for sure. Yeah. So you're so you're selling houses, and you're selling houses for what? How many years? Four years? Uh, so I sold homes or houses. That training, right? You don't call them houses. You call them homes. Home. You're building homes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think three and a half, four years. So about four years. So about four years. And then you jump into mortgage Back there? Into, yeah. Why? Um, it's going so well. Why yeah. would you? So selling homes was fun. I liked it. And when, when I when I finally decide to leave Saratoga Homes for, for whatever reason, I remembered that I'm, I kind of miss my weekends. You know, like I was working every weekend. I was off Mondays and Tuesdays, which was fun. But, dude, I'm like 20. I'm 25 at this point, And I'm like. For the last, I'm 26, 25. Um, and, and I'm like, dude, I've been selling homes for so long. Um, I've been working all the weekends. Like, I, I need to, I kind of need to slow down a bit. And I and, and really what took it for me, I wasn't a real estate agent. I was a sales rep. So I only got to sell Saratoga homes. Like, that's all I got to sell. Right. Um, <laughs> Benji, come up here. <laughs> Sorry, my, my little dog just walked in, but. He loves the attention, oh, dude. Buddy. You'll hear him in his asthma. I, I gave him an allergy pill right now, but... Say hi. <laughs> um, this is a spot, actually. He loves this spot. Really? In yeah. the middle? Yeah, in the, in the middle. Um, so I could only sell homes with Saratoga. I, I, I can't do any, any real estate. So somebody walked in and they said, um, hey, we really like working with you, but you know, we liked the, a different builder, classic, Desert View. Like, I was stuck. Like, I would see them go across the street and buy a house. And, and every now and then, like, it's kind of hurtful because you get to meet people. And as you're probing them, you're asking, like, you know, what their goals are, what they want in their home, the schools their kids go to, what they do, the sports they put. So you start building a little bit of an attachment. Right. And I would go home at the end of the day. And the people that, for whatever reason, didn't buy a home, Benji, hey, hey, no. Benji, get over here. See you. Um, the people that didn't buy a home... Like I would take that home, dude, and it was like emotionally exhausting to, to spend so much time with someone and thinking, like I guess to an extent you were friends or whatever, and then they didn't buy a home from you. It was kind of like, like it would drain me emotionally. Yeah. Like, I would get home. Yeah. And I was like exhausted, and, and I would tell my wife at the time, or my my not, well, now wife girlfriend at the time, like I'm, I'm exhausted. Like I don't know what it is, but like I'm like emotionally drained. Yeah. And I realized that it was that. So I decided to leave and it was like, do I become a real estate agent or, or do I uh, go back to mortgages? And I really felt like I, I never peaked at mortgages. Like I could do more. So I leave Saratoga homes and, and I joined Rocky mountain and eight years later here. I am. So you went straight from Saratoga to Rocky. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the, exp- I mean, how much, how much knowledge at that point did you have about mortgage? Very little. <laughs> like I knew like 25%. I had my license and apparently that's all everybody cared about. So I had my license and, and I could sell. You learn a lot about people yeah. and meeting people selling. Yeah. I mean, I, that's sales is hard. Yeah. It's super hard and it's straight. So you jump to mortgages knowing very little. And then how soon after that do you start getting like when, when do you get your first loan at? How long does it take? So the training at Rocky was or is or was three months, right? So I, I get about three months of training. 
Um, and about 45 days in, I'm like, this is boring. Like, I, I got to start <laughs> taking loan apps. Like, you know, like, for me, like, learning, like, this is why I never did good in school. Because for me, learning is like, well, let me apply it. Yeah, like, you got to do it. Yeah, I got to yeah. be able to do it. Right, you right, know, right. Like, like I, so, so it might be wrong to say, but that's just for me. Like, I got to burn my hands a little bit. Like, I can't just, like, keep reading. Right. I think I've, I'm, I'm all read out. Right. So I was like, let me get my hands dirty. And, I mean, I do. And, and again, the second I do, I'm like, well, what do I do? Start getting on the phone. Start hitting the model homes. Get on the phone. Start bringing people in. And, dude, that first month, I started taking loan apps. And I realized I was way out of my league. I was like, oh, no. I have no idea what I'm doing. But stuff like that excites me, dude. Like, being out of my comfort zone and, and being completely lost and in the dark and going from sales to mortgages, not knowing what I'm doing, I was like, oh, this is great. I really, really like this. Okay. Because I was like, I, I don't I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I got to figure this out. So that really just got me going. And, and I was like, all right, take it file, piece by piece, file by file. Um, and that's... Do you remember your first loan app? No, sadly, no. I can tell you, I don't remember all the good closings, but I remember all the ones I fucked up. <laughs> but uh, we all do. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, yeah. And, and and it's funny because as much as, as as I try to share, like, hey, I made these mistakes. Like, be careful with these landmines. Like, I'll share it with other LOs and I'll share it with with even other processors and, and with anyone that'll listen. I'm like, dude, I've messed this up, and you're in a similar situation. And I'm like, don't mess this up. Why? Why did you go with that specific lender? Coming out of Saratoga. I mean, I'm sure there was options. Um, I mean, dude, I had options to to go keep selling homes, and I had options with other lenders. But I had a relationship with. I hope I still have a relationship with uh, with Justin at Rocky, um, and I, I've I've known his wife. It's there. <laughs> it's a little bumpy. Um, but I I've always I've always known his wife Victoria and and her parents uh, Oscar and Loretta. Because when I was working at Saratoga Homes and at, and at JNC Mortgage, um, they were always our go-to people for insurance. So I had a pretty decent relationship with them. Right. So when I resigned at Saratoga, and I mean El Paso is small enough to when anything anyone does anything, it's like within a day. It's like on the news, you know, like everybody knows. So when I left Saratoga, like the next day, uh, Victoria found out, told Justin, and and she told me like, Hey, reach out, reach out to Justin. Like he might have a job for you at, at Rocky. So I'm like, perfect. I'll do dude. I left Saratoga having zero, like I, twice I've left jobs and twice I've quit without having zero prospect. Again, going, I, I I'm going to be uncomfortable for a little bit, but I'm going to figure it out. Saratoga's so, one and Rocky's the other. and Rocky's the other. Yeah. yeah. So okay. when I left Rocky, I was like, I'll, I'll find a job. Like I, I hope I can find a job, but I, again, being pretty confident, like I'm, I'll, I'll be all right. So when I left Saratoga, I was like, I'll figure it out. I left. Dude, I was an employee five days. And I started at Rocky. Wow. But just because of my relationship with them, I, I, I didn't know anybody else. So I went with them. Um, dude, and it, was, it was honestly a good experience. I, I spent seven and a half almost, well, seven and a half years at Rocky. Um, originated for six years. I was a sales manager for the last year. Um, but it was, it was a good learning experience. It just got to the point where I felt like I was in moving i was too comfortable like i was you were too comfortable with rocky yeah okay like and and i realized like this whole time you know dude this is this is my 15th year of, of being active in, in like mortgages and sales and, and home sales like 
15 years of, of, of selling homes, of doing mortgage loans, dealing with customers, taking all naps, working all of it. And, and not once was I like, I've never really truly like bet on myself. Like I've always kind of leaned on, well, working at Saratoga Homes, if somebody walks into the door, it's not my lead. Like I'm gonna flip it in a sale. Like it's a little bit of my merit, but I'm relying on somebody walking in the door. Then working at Rocky, they're a preferred lender for a lot of builders in town. I was relying on the same thing. Like I can go out and market and get my own stuff, but stuff's coming in through the door anyway. Like I'm just gonna close that. So for the longest time, and, and so I'm kind of I step back and I'm like, dude, I haven't. I've been riding on someone else's coattails for so long. I, I haven't had the opportunity to bet on myself. So I said, I'm too comfortable, and it's it's a crazy dude. I'm too comfortable. Things are, are making aren't, aren't making sense for me anymore. Like I, I I'm trying to push in different directions, and and I'm not able to push in the direction that I want to push. So I I I say thank you, and I I walk out, and then two days later I have another job, like. A change. A change, yeah. But it was, it was funny, dude. I, When I left Rocky, um, my wife works at Town Square Mortgage. So I had, had a conversation with her and with Gracie, like, uh, I could probably join here. Um, this is, of course, literally, like, I leave Rocky, and I'm like, all right, got to go find a job. Like, that morning that I resigned, I, I, I'm like, I got to go find a job. So I talked to Gracie, and I'm like, oh, this sounds good. I, I might do this. So I leave her office doing that, but Town Square is here, and change is down the street. So right. I walk into change, and, and I mean, you've been to our office. It's a sofa. We're just hanging out. So I walk in and <laughs> a sofa and an Xbox. What a sofa no, and a PlayStation. No, no, there's no PlayStation. It's a TV. <laughs> um, so I walk in and people are watching TV. People are just hanging out. Patrick's there. I've known Pat. I worked with with Patrick at Rocky, so we always had a relationship. And I walk in and I'm just hanging out with him, and he's like, "Dude, what are you doing? Are you off today?" And I was like, "No, nah, dude. I'm like, I'm unemployed. Like, I, I resigned Rocky this morning." <laughs> dude, he looks at me like. What do you mean? And I'm like, yeah, dude, I just quit this morning. I'm like, but I think I might take a job with Town Square. He's like, no, 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 don't do that. Come to my office, hurry. I'm like, all right. So, dude, I had, I had no intentions of going with Change because I figured they have a robust staff. Like, people must already work with them. Um, so I sit and have a conversation with him, and, and you know, it kind of seemed like the right fit. And it, honestly, three months later, it was, it was definitely the right fit. It's the right fit? It's for sure the Why? right fit. Um, the atmosphere of the people, but more than anything, like their loan products, the support, dude, it, again, I was very uncomfortable. Even today, I'm still very uncomfortable. Like I've, I've got a couple closings with, with change under my belt and I'm still very uncomfortable because the, the, the software that we use at Rocky and the software that they use at change two dis- different softwares. Okay. The, the way processing works, the people involved in your file, two separate things. There's loan products I didn't have at Rocky. Um, here at Change, we're able to do uh, because we we're CDA, CDFI certified by Congress. We kind of get to piece together some of our own loans and, and be a little bit more flexible to to um, to tend to our community. Um, so we could do like outside of your FHA, VA, and conventional. There's loan products that we can offer for those under underserved uh, uh, borrowers, like real estate agents that don't claim other income on their taxes, truck drivers that don't do that do similar. Business owners that that may not want to, you know, file their taxes a certain way for for tax purposes, you know. Um, So loans that I was never able to do before that I didn't even know existed, I have access to. Um, The way loans move here here at Change, I mean, I was just telling you before, like I got a contract the middle of the month on 13th and and we just got docs out to title today. 
like 15 days later considering that veterans day was in the way considering that that thanksgiving got in the way yeah like that file got in and out of underwriting quick i mean yeah i i pushed on my end like i i, I knew what i had to do to make sure that the file was ready but i don't think i would have been able to do this anywhere else all right so i'm gonna put my buyer hat on oh, okay. i asked around and there's a couple of questions that we're gonna ask might be a little uncomfortable but since we have a loan officer in front of us, we're going to ask these questions. All right. So what, what do builders look for when considering a preferred lender? How do you get to be a preferred lender? <clears throat> I think ultimately it comes down to customer service and relationships. I mean, you could be best friends with everyone in town. But if you're not delivering the right service, like it's, it's kind of pointless. I mean, ultimately, I think we're all in in this to 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 help borrowers and, and future homeowners get into a home. And if you, if you as a lender can provide a good service to the customer and to the realtor, ultimately, that reflects well on the builder. OK. And the builder will keep maintaining those relationships. OK. So, I mean, you and I know this. We have tons of friends in the industry who we get zero business from. Which yeah, which is fine. I mean, you know, we, uh, at some point you have to understand like this person's a friend, and I appreciate you value for a friend, but I'm I know I'm not gonna get your referrals because your your needs might be met by someone else, right? And you have to be able to respect that, you right? Know? So I think you can be best friends with with everyone in the industry, but you have to ultimately uh, provide a service that's gonna be um, a, a, that you can duplicate and that you can keep executing time after time to keep that builder looking. Is being a preferred lender more stressful than being just a loan officer um to an extent because there's certain expectations you you have to meet um and and i think when you're a preferred lender like the relationship already starts at a, at a point where you not only have to meet an expectation but you have to supersede that every single time when you're a preferred lender the expectation is i here's my business because you're the preferred lender take it versus like hey Here's my customer. I've pre-approved them. I might not be your preferred lender, but I need you to trust me to deliver that service. Do you have a preference on on a preferred lender loan as opposed to a loan that you went out and and earned and, and, earned and, and hunted and? Yeah, I think I think I mean as much as I enjoy the business, keep sending me those preferred loans. I, I'll take it every day. <laughs> but you know, when when you nurture the relationship, when the realtor calls you, I mean, we just had a closing, uh, Alex and I. Um, where the buyer came in and said, hey, I'm looking to, to buy an investment property, but I just have questions. And I'm like, come in. Like, just let me let me get like two seconds with them. Right. Let me figure out what your needs are. Right. So they came in. They were wanting to buy a duplex or a quadruplex. And I'm like, why? And they're like, well, we're trying to get investment properties. And I'm like, okay, why are you going to start so big? Like, learn to be a landlord. Like, get yourself a small starter home. Like, there's tons of builders in town right now that'll pay your closing costs and, and, and give you all sorts of, of incentive. And I'm like, if you go this route, it'll be less expensive for you. So we talk about it literally an hour and a half, two hours on day one when we meet them. And I'm like, if I can pre-approve you today, you can be in a new home in 30 days, like very little money out of pocket and you'll have your first investment, like one unit, like those quads and those duplexes, you're gonna, you're not gonna find anything new. You're gonna have to buy a used home, pay some of your closing costs. It'll be much more expensive and you'll no longer be liquid in case anything comes up. You know, those, that home isn't going to rent on day one. Right. You have to be ready for that. Right. 
So buyer comes in, we, we pre-approve them, they find a home, and in 30 days they're in it. And, and that whole transaction was just so satisfying because they were just going to come in and ask questions. But we were able to find common ground. We found the, the loan product that fit them, the home that fit them. And, and now they've gone from asking questions to being being landlords. Do you uh, do loan officers prefer to do loan apps with the buyer and the agent there? Or would you or, or do they prefer just the buyer? I think it's all come to preference. I think that the whole process has changed a lot over the years. Um, I think that we all expect things to to happen now. That's why we rely a lot on that online application. You know, you meet someone and you're like, hey, I need to know if this person qualifies. Like, can you have them apply online and do it quickly? But I personally still like doing as much as I can a lot of these applications in person if the agent's available with the agent present because now we can all set the expectations because once I've pre-qualified them, the whole time I'm pre-approving borrowers, like my sales knowledge doesn't go away. Like I start, when we start talking about bank statements, I'm like, look, you're going to have to front some of this money, earnest money. Um, there's inspections. And for me, it's so much easier to bring up earnest money and then refer to you as a realtor. Okay. Or bring up an inspection and be like, if you need one, and then refer to you as a realtor. Talk about closing costs, tell them what they are, and then refer to you as a realtor so that they understand which homes might have closing costs covered, which resales might not. So for it just creates a better, personally, and I think it's personal, to answer your question, it's personal preference. But for me, it's I'd rather have everyone there so that we're all on the same page, it sets the right tempo, and we can kind of draw those boundaries. Much like I don't expect you to talk to the borrower about their ratios and why we're going FHA versus conventional. So that so that's my next question. So how do you set, say you have a loan app where the realtor is not there mm-hmm. and they have questions that kind of, they kind of start going into the realtor responsibility side of things. How do you set that boundary? What, what, what's, what's your take on that? <laughs> Every time I get a question that I don't want to answer <clears throat> and, and I don't want to give myself up, but I always say that's an excellent question. Let me write that down and I'm going to hand it off to your realtor. It's an excellent question. That's something that we should ask for your realtor. So I always address the question because it's, it's a good question that I could probably answer for the most part. Right. But I won't. Why? Because then otherwise I'm undermining the real estate agent. Okay. And if another real estate question comes up and I answer it, then. Then what's the point of the realtor? Then what's the point of the realtor? Right. That and on this at the same at the same token, like I could answer it. And as much as I think I know or I might know, like I could be wrong. Like the situation could be different. And my answer could be A, and your answer could be B. And now we've created confusion in the borrower, and I've put us both at risk. So as much as I know, and even though I've sold homes sold homes before, I'll still say that's an excellent question, but we should ask your realtor. I will say so in the past, this is what I ran into, but you want to double check with your realtor. And what I like to do is I like to do group text messages. If you work with me before, I, I like to do group text messages with the real estate agent mm-hmm. and with the borrower mm-hmm. and the wives because wives and husbands. Because if wife asks me a question, I answer wife, then wife will tell husband and husband will tell realtor and realtor will tell me, what did you say? And I'm like, uh, no, no, group text. If you have a question, I'll answer it on the phone and then I'm going to reply to the text message with what I told you. That way everybody has it. Yeah, right. Everybody's on the same page. Okay. What is your method of delivering bad news immediate <laughs> uh <laughs> Im- Im- immediate dude one of the things that i've learned is once you have bad news um it's, it's very easy to let that weigh on you and be like oh man like what do we do and you start panicking and the world just starts collapsing and the longer you wait to deliver the news 
like the worse the news gets right it, it just starts feeding and feeding so the second i know there's something that didn't work out for whatever reason it, it could be a number of things and it could either you, you don't want to assign blame because it's you know, things just happen sometimes but the, the biggest thing is if we have a problem is there a solution yes if there's a solution and there's something that we have to do you have to let everybody know immediately because it's going to delay closings it might cause a buyer to to have to pay off uh, a loan or, or debt or maybe the buyer needs a gift and you want to deliver those news immediately because otherwise you're you're taking on this battle on your own once you get the real estate agent involved once you get the borrower involved now you have a little bit of a team you rely on your, on your community to handle that situation okay so what's your routine when you wake up in the morning like your work routine my work routine so going to the office my work routine is is if i have applications that i have to work on i'll get those out of the way um but i do like to structure my day where if i need anything from from a customer from a realtor i like to request it in the like early in the morning so that i could follow up in the afternoon because i i don't like to wait for things like if, if we need something for your loan or your file like i'm going to request it in the morning and then i'm going to follow up in the afternoon but i like to start my day with 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 anything that's urgent pre-approvals any new contracts anything that might be closing that week and then in the afternoon follow up on that stuff but really work in on on, on marketing on i still send or try to send um between 50 20 to 50 calls or text messages to real estate agents that i don't work with um a day like it, I, it has to be like okay. a day okay and to be honest this week has been pretty hectic so i've only done it once but i have to do that um and i try to post on social media at least twice a week just to keep active okay but i i have to do i feel like this this industry pays you back what you put into it so like yeah. the days that i like that i don't do my calls that i don't send out my text messages that i even even the days that i don't create any any social media stuff mm -hmm. i feel like i wasted a day i could have been busy all day on conditions or on closings like i am this week and i'll get home and i'm like i didn't do enough i could have done a little bit more so okay and we're gonna touch a little bit on social media right now because it's a it's a thing yeah. for me. <laughs> so what what are what are your three main sources of referrals? Realtors, previous customers, mm -hmm. and friends and family. Okay, friends and family I think are, are a big one that people don't don't capitalize on. And you know, most people I go back to community because it's it's something that I learned when I was at Saratoga Homes because they're big on family, big on community. Yeah, but you have you know if you start farming right, you've done that where it's like you. Mm -hmm. And then your spouse and then your spouse's parents and then your parents and, and you can go on and like farm that out right. to like a hundred people right if every one of those pr people don't know that you're you're a professional or the mortgage professional or real estate agent like you're missing out on an opportunity like every single person in your group of friends in your parents group of friends and every one of your cousins friends cousins primos abuelos, everybody everybody has to know that what you do for a living mm -hmm. because somebody at work might ask one day oh i'm looking at homes and if your cousin doesn't go hey call ozzy your cousin's a bad cousin but <laughs> but the reality is you probably don't remind your cousin often enough what you do right and so so for me it's like i try to i mean i'm not that i talk about mortgages every day but because i've been doing it for so long everyone around me knows exactly what i do so i think friends and family should be like number one to, to previous referrals and real estate agents because I feel like there's there's so much untapped potential in there. 
like that farming out thing is it's huge. Right. So, so friends and families is my third one. Okay. Um, how much of the loan process do you actually handle? Um, to a fault. Um, so for loan officers, in, in most cases, and speaking very generally, our jobs is to take a loan or to take take a, a potential loan application, look at income, credit, debts, uh, assets, and, and figure out if, if this borrower or this family can can qualify for a loan. Collect everything up front, set it up, structure it, and then hand it off to processing. So processing can send it off to underwriting, and it's really kind of a hands-off approach at that point. Okay. I can't do that. Um, like to a fault, and it's got me in trouble before, and it's still getting me in trouble today. I like to be hands-on uh, the whole time. Okay. Like once I've handed off a loan or processing, I like to know when's this processor going to submit it, when are you going to follow up with my customer, like all that stuff. Like to a point where like if, if someone else is supposed to contact the borrower, even after they contact the borrower, I'll still call the person and be like, hey, did you understand what they said? Like I, I um, you know? Right. So like to a fault, I'm pretty involved. Okay. Do you think most loan officers are as involved? Why are you trying to get me in trouble, Ozzy? But I think, just, I, mean, <laughs> I think I think most loan officers are. <laughs> I think I think most loan officers are because they care about their closing and their borrowers. Um, so so you you really kind of have to. You, you can't uh, inspect what you expect. Is my okay. Mind. All right. Um, <laughs> so the question is, what's up with lender fees? Who sets them and how are they managed? That's a. I mean, that's a good question, but. I think lender fees are, are like really like like most fees. <clears throat> you can't be too expensive because then you're never gonna get any business. Mm -hmm. But I think it's almost like a stand like a like an industry standard. Like even though lenders for the most part don't get together and say, Hey, what do you charge? They do look at each other's loan estimates after closing or closing disclosures after closing and go, So and so is charging this much, I should be around this age range. So okay. I was charging this much. I should be around this this range. Okay. But there, it is it is uh, regulated at certain at certain levels what we can and cannot charge uh, for borrowers. There's limits to what we as lenders can charge on specific loans. So we also have to stay within those means. Um, like on a on a <clears throat> on a cash out refinance here in the state of Texas, we can't that borrower can't pay for more than two percent in closing and fees upon closing. So. If, if you've ever run into a situation where someone's like, hey, I want to cash out refinance a uh, uh, $50,000 home loan because I only need $50,000, most lenders are going to go look at you and be like, I, I can't do that loan because an appraisal runs about 500 bucks. Right. That's already 1%. Right. That leaves no room for title fees, for any other fees. Um, but I think to answer your question, most fees are, are both industry uh, regulated at, at, at the legal level and most lenders kind of have agreed like hey this is kind it's of kind of mirror each other yeah this is right. kind of where it's a happy medium where we can still keep the doors open and paying support staff and we can still you know get these customers a, a, a good deal on, on their loan okay uh besides the obvious paperwork what would you what would you like to see buyers walking in with already <laughs> um an open mind I think most borrowers and, and most human beings um, have we, we have this tendency to 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 get as much information for the most part um, before 
an application, try to be a little prepared. So if you're going to have a loan application or you're, you're looking at getting a home, you tend to tell, you know, your close group of friends, you, if you're close to your, your parents or your, your uncles and stuff, you'll mention it to them. Like, Hey, I'm looking at buying a home. And then they start feeding you like, Oh, well, when I bought a home 15 years ago, this is what happened. Or, or, Oh dude, I bought a house two weeks ago and this was my situation. Right. The problem is that every situation is different, like a hundred percent different. Right. Like you and I could work at the same target, have the same shift, same hours, same position. And our two, two applications will be like 90% different. Right. For the most part. Yeah. So a lot of people come in with, with some, um, like preconceived notions of what, what to expect. Maybe they've Googled it. Maybe they saw a little HGTV. So they kind of know what they're getting themselves into and they come in and we start like, going, no, 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 like come this way, come this way. And then it starts kind of creating some tension like, oh no, but my mom said, or my friend said, or the TV said, and you're kind of like, I know, but that doesn't apply to you. Right. So if, if anything, I would say just, just come in with a, with a clean, clean slate. Um, if you're going to trust someone, trust them fully. Um, you know, your friends and family mean, mean well, they, they mean it from the bottom of their heart, but they're not the mortgage professional or they're not the real estate professional. Okay. So aside from the obvious paperwork, I would say come in with an open mind and, and, and have questions. Okay. Um, you're not liking this, huh? Very politically. No, I mean, answers. I, I expect that from just about everybody. Nobody really, nobody really wants to say what they really think. No, no, but th those are facts. I mean, I, I feel like, like most people want to come in and be like, more like, like come in and tell us how to do our jobs. Yeah. Is, is what I'm trying to say in a nice way, but it's like, just ask questions. Yeah. No, no, I get it. Um, social media. I know it's big in our industry. Um, Tell me what you like and what you don't like specifically about people in our industry when it comes to social media. So I think social media is a good tool to get, you know, to remind people what you do for a living and to kind of showcase who you are. But man, when I start seeing people post like payments and interest rates online, to me, it's a little like, I mean, I get what you're trying to do. But that might not necessarily apply to everybody, you know, like I, I've seen people go like those. I mean, you've seen all those videos where it's like if you're buying an FHA loan, do this and make sure you ask for that. And it's right. like, dude, like every single loan is different. Mm -hmm. Like that might not apply. I, I mean, even if it does apply to you, like now you've created this this preconceived notion about what a loan should look like. Right. Or if you're like in Texas and you're looking at someone from upstate New York or from California and they're giving you advice in that specific state, the laws are different. Right. The loans are different. The whole transaction might be different. Right. So I think social media, to an extent, you can definitely provide some good advice, some good tools, but I think it shouldn't be like a one-on-one. -on -one, like it's not a one-size-fits-all. I've seen a lot of people go, go on social media and give credit advice. Like, that's <laughs> wild, dude. Like, it's, it's wild because, dude, I mean, again, I've been in the industry for 15 years. And even I don't understand. Like, how does credit work? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't mean, know. I know it's a long algorithm, and if you change the equation and stuff, great. I'm like, but I'm not a credit repair guy. Like, I, I've, I've seen even credit repair people tell you, yeah, if you sign up for this, there's a 65% chance this might work. What, what do you think about credit repair? I think it's useful in an ex like to an extent. 
like you can get really good information but i think ultimately again saying that i'm not a credit professional but most people that have questions about credit or have questions about credit you know what i mean have questionable credit yeah questionable credit <laughs> because you know if, if if you pay your bills on time and you know you've never been late and you're good for the most part you're probably gonna have good credit right, right. And then there, there's the extreme where it's like, well, I'm late every now and then. Okay, well, let's see how late. Let's see what those patterns are. But I think credit repair is a good source to kind of tell you what you got have to do. But nothing's going to get you out of having to pay your bills. Like Pay your bills. True. Like those don't go away. Like there's For for anybody that might be thinking, because I know the biggest hurdle, at least for me when I'm talking to people, is getting them to do the loan application. That's like the number one, ugh, I don't know about it. And really, you're never going to know unless you do a loan application. So for anybody that's thinking about doing a loan app, mm-hmm. like what do you recommend? What do you recommend they they look at? What like what? Everybody knows their own situation, right? If if you were to talk to somebody and say, look, if your credit is somewhere around here and this is around here and this is around here, do it. What what do you recommend anybody that's thinking about it? I mean, shit. I, I would just recommend to to go for it, especially with us at Change. Uh, from for anything, nothing more than we we do a soft pull. So on our pre approvals, we we do a soft pull, not a hard inquiry, because right now you know that all these hard inquiries you're gonna get like a million calls from eight hundred numbers from all these mortgage companies buying leads. Right. So what we do is we do a soft pull to make sure that that we insulate our customers from not having to 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 be overwhelmed with with hundreds of thousands of calls of people saying. Uh, I don't want to see nobody, but, you know, getting hundreds of thousands of calls, like, <laughs> <laughs> we can promise you a fight. You know what I mean? But one of those calls, but. I'll edit that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but we'll do a soft pull uh, to, to kind of see see where they're at. So it's not a hard inquiry. Um, and, and, you know, you can ask all the questions you want up front. But sometimes there's, there's little hidden gems that we don't see that might be very important. And you won't know until those questions are being asked. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of situations where borrowers are like, oh, this is how I get paid. This is how much money I make. Based on what you're saying, I should qualify. And then they apply. And I'm like, let me see the pay stub. I look at the pay stub and I'm like, yo, this is all cash or this is all tips or this is all stuff that you don't claim. You can't use this income. Mm-hmm. Or like, hey, do you have any dependents, any kids? No, I don't. Look at a pay stub and now there's child support. Or there's income that we didn't know about. And it's like we start really pulling strings and figuring out what makes that what can make that loan happen but i think if you're on the fence the 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 first thing that you should ask yourself whether or not you should do a loan application is if the situation you're in is the situation you want to be in for the long term if you're currently renting an apartment living with mom and dad whatever your situation may be or maybe you got roommates if if purchasing a home and building you know your your own thing is is gonna solve a problem that you're currently having then yeah you should definitely do a loan app even if you don't think you're gonna qualify talk to a professional and let the professional guide you in the right direction what do you call what do you call the uh, the uh like when you're playing a video game and you get to a point to where there's like something hidden no like uh easter egg easter egg yeah what do you have any easter egg so i i didn't learn but we were talking about it the other day. I was talking about it the other day with Jeanette, with my wife. And I told her that if, for instance, I reminded her, if you 
cosine on a vehicle. Mm-hmm. But that person is paying for that car. If you can show 12 months statements that that person is paying for the car, that car doesn't count against you. Depends on the loan. Depends on the loan. But, <laughs> but, yeah, but, yeah, but that's a little, yeah, you know, that's so, a little. So, so a little, what's, little negative information. Yeah, so what's your, do you have your favorite Easter egg of people that, something that they might not know that they could use or they could think about and maybe they're in a situation to where like, hey, I don't want to loan that because of this. And you can say, well, there's a way around that. So this one is, is one of my favorites and it's one of the reasons that I work, that I moved to change because I couldn't do this anywhere else. So at change, we could work with what's known as premarital debt. So husband, wife, right? They, 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 before they got together, they each had their own debts, their own cars. One of them might've even owned a home. Now they get married for the most part, because we're in a community property state. You have to count both of those debts, everyone's whether they're on the loan or not. Right. But here we could do what we what's called this premarital debt. So if husband wants to come and purchase a home, but his credit isn't that great and he's got a ton of debt, but the wife qualifies on her own and she says, hey, my husband's debt, like that car or that credit card or, or that installment loan that he has, again, to an extent, he got before we were married. Like that's his debt. That's not our debt. That's his debt. Okay. The credit report gives us the dates. We pull up the marriage certificate, and that debt doesn't count. I just recently did that with a mortgage. Okay. Husband had a mortgage before before they got to he got together with his wife. It's premarital debt all day, and we didn't count that against him. Interesting. That's very interesting. Very. I mean, you know. And when I was at Rocky, I would hear about this, and I was like, "How are they doing this? Like, that's that's not fair. Like loans that I couldn't qualify." And I'm like, "No way." And now that I get to do it on this end, I'm like, oh, it's a game changer. Because it, it, it really is. I mean, it's a community property state. Your debt is my debt. It's our debt. But it was your debt before we got married. Yeah, like, yeah. Why is it our debt? Right. So that's a good little nugget. Okay. But I'm, dude, it's funny. I'm on Facebook and Instagram, but I don't do TikTok. I, I, I don't know. I just, um, I know there's a lot of really useful content on TikTok, but I'm like, I told myself, dude, if I'm going to do the social media thing, I'm going to dive all, all the way in, but I'm not doing any dances. I'm not dancing for no one. I'm not. I'm not doing trends. I'm not doing any of that stuff. Right. Although I know the algorithm, but I'm not doing that. Okay. You know, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna try to be original to, to what I like to do. Um, and I mean, if you've seen some of my videos, like there's, I'm not trying to be informative. I'm just trying to stay stop top of mind. Right. You know, my friend Zapata, he has his camera. We'll go to Ridoso or we'll go wherever we're at, and I'll be like, dude, just record a video, like whatever that moment is. Like, uh, I mean, most recently I recorded one where I'm like jumping over a little river and I fell. Like I, I really did. Fell. You literally fall. I literally fell. Yeah. We recorded that in one take, and I was like, I, I, before I jumped, I was like, I got to think of what I'm going to say. All right, I'm going to jump, missed, fell, and I was like, I still got to say what I got to say because otherwise I got to jump again, then I'm going to fall again. So, dude, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to give anybody mortgage advice on social media. I'm just trying to be relevant, you know, relevant enough to where you know that I do mortgage loans and that I could definitely be, be a source for you, but I'm not also like a, a stuck-up, buttoned-up, like, you better come in with a 700. Like, I'm human just like you, man. Right. Like, that's kind of the side of myself that I'm trying to show. Like, I got all this experience. I've been doing this forever. But I'm, I'm just like you. Are I'm you a me. believer that – do you have a personal account and a, yeah. and a business account? Do you believe in that? Um. Yeah, I think it's pretty important because, dude, I, I mean, you could be pretty irresponsible on social media. Do you think it's possible to separate – I mean, we work, we, we talked about it a couple of days ago, right? 
our schedule could be like I could work. I could have an eight o'clock appointment that takes me up to noon. Have nothing from 12 to 4.30. Five, I got to go meet an agent. So I'm working from five to seven. There's days that I have nothing to do. So I'm at the I'm at the house. I'm at the office. I'm following up, whatever. There's days where I'm back to back to back. Weekends are crazy. You know, whatever. Is do you think there's a way to separate in your social media, separate your 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 life from your work life by having two different accounts like you do you or I the way that I see it or the way that I take it is I think people feel more comfortable knowing that both things are tied into one. I mean, yes and no. <clears throat> I think my my goal was. Like starting up the, the professional page was the people that I'm going to follow or request to follow or, or whose attention I want to bring are people that want to see mortgage related content, you know, and I didn't want to flood my friends and family who already follow me on social media and just be like, oh, look, I have all these followers. Like, here's what I do. And here's a bunch of my content. I thought, like, if I'm going to put on my content, I'm going to develop an organic uh, following tailored to that. Because otherwise, people are just going to get tired of seeing all my like work stuff because I post more work-related stuff than I do personal stuff. Mm-hmm. Because as much as I like I like to snoop around social media, like I don't, I don't do a whole lot of posting. Okay, so the question now becomes, do you have the people that follow your business page? Oh, oh how, how much of, how many of your business page followers only follow your business page and don't follow you personally? Um, I think right now, because it's still a pretty young page, it's like a 40, 40, 60 kind of split, you know, 40%, like, like 40% of the people that follow me on my business, like were following me on my personal and 60% of the people on your business don't follow your personal. It's just, yeah. Wow. Okay. Because it's a lot. So like on my personal page, I, I did a pretty decent job of like not following like uh, a business profit like real estate agents insurance title companies well because dude it could be something as simple <laughs> as and, and i know and you're laughing but like it could be like a sunday you know i'm a big cowboys fan i post the cowboys and then i start getting a bunch of like all the all the cowboys hate which is cool like i'll take it but dude if the cowboys beat your team that day you hop on social media and then teaser the cowboys fan like you could be worked up enough to be like fuck that guy you know and i'm following like, if you're a hater Niner fan, I'm not saying all Niner fans are hater, but for the most part, most Niner fans are haters. And you pull up to my Instagram, and you see that the Cowboys are, are, are like, 8-3 and three or whatever, and then you're just a hater, you might not follow me that day, you know? And, and I just don't want to create that tension. I don't want to bombard them with, like, my little brother's birthday or my trip to Mexico or whatever because – some of those days I might get a little crazy and post like bottle service or something. And now your buyers are like, really? look at this guy. But, but I mean, you're normal. You're, you're yeah. human. You're like, I mean, you're, you're a normal person just like them. We have family gatherings. We go out, we have date nights, we have yeah. friends, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I mean, I don't think there's a right and a wrong way to do it. Yeah. I just like doing it this way because at the same time, like, there's certain eight like so right now the big thing for me is luckily like my my so most of my following has been here in El Paso but it's organically been branching out to like East Texas like some Dallas some Houston Austin type of stuff mm-hmm. some of those real estate agents right who might see like the button of professional who's kind of loose and might be like all right I'll do that but they might start seeing like a little too much partying or like or or perfect example and this is another reason why I, I didn't want to put them together <clears throat> We're all human, 
we all take vacations. We all go out of town. Mm -hmm. If you, Ozzy, are a real estate agent who has a closing coming up on Friday, and for whatever reason, it's taking a little bit too long, but on Wednesday, you catch your boy in Vegas, you're not going to be like, oh, I'm so happy Caesar's in Vegas. I'm glad he's having a good time. You're immediately going, why the why isn't he working on my file? Like who's in and and you're and that for me is like I mean I get it like I, I would expect you to trust me to know that it's under control, but you're still human. Your emotion isn't gonna be like good for him. You're going like hey we're closing on Friday. Like what like look at this guy. And then like it might be a joke and it starts, but that that entre broma y broma like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you're like, pues no se rope because you're always on vacation. This guy's always out of town, and it's like oh, you're always you're, playing golf. You're always playing you're never golf. Never at the office. Hey, that's why I stopped playing golf. <laughs> but I think that that to me is like to also protect my sanity because, dude, I've gone out of town so much now, and because I've done better at not posting it, like people don't even notice I'm out of the office. Mm -hmm. I'm always working on the laptop or whatever. But <clears throat> once somebody catches a glimpse, like oh, here we go, another little road trip down to Redoso. And this guy's got a little week, the weekend off, and it's like, no, I, I don't. How's the uh, How's house? Oh, it's nice. Is it? You, you checked it out. Have you rented it out? Is it is it moving? Is it going? Finally, yeah, dude. It's 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 officially on the on the uh, Condotel website. So they've they've handled it and and but what they don't tell you, dude. Again, me becoming a landlord for the first time is like all the expenses that come with it, like the hot tub clean. You gotta hire someone because I can't drive two hours to go clean that. The landscaping clean. I can't do that. Like I can't. I mean, we were doing it, but it's like. When there's rentals back to back, I can't drive out there all the time and do all the cleaning, right. the housekeeping, like all that stuff. Dude, it's it's chaotic, it's expensive, but I think it's rewarding, dude. I think ultimately, like we wanted a house in Redoso, and I mean we got married up there, like we love it up there. Right. But I think it was it's it's a pretty nice place, dude, and I think uh, we enjoyed it for a while. Is it fully booked? Like uh, in December? Like for for the most part, yeah. Like, dude. Like, the second it went live, like, all the major holidays started getting booked. And now that people are actually booking it, it's weird. Like, I feel like I told my wife this. I'm like, once someone rents it and they kind of like the place, they're like, oh, we're going to come back for Memorial Day. Rent it already. Mm -hmm. So there's already some bookings for 2024, like, backed out. And I'm like, that's, that's perfect. You know, that's cool. We kind of wanted that. But I'm like. But now you have a cabin in Rio that you can't use for the holidays. <laughs> well, and, and that's kind of what I wanted, too. You know, like, I like being home for the, like, I like being in town because, People come in, friends, family, cousins, and stuff. Yeah. And I don't want to be like, oh, I'm glad you came to visit. I'm not here, you know? What'd you do for Thanksgiving? Here. Stayed here. Uh, you had family over? Uh, we went to, to one of my wife's cousin's house, all my parents. Dude, we had a little Friendsgiving. Dude, I ate so much during uh, Thursday and Friday that Saturday and Sunday I had, like, one meal each day. And I was just, like, full. You felt stuffed the yeah. whole time. Yeah. yeah. And I do that. And I remember going like, Oh, I didn't finish my meal Saturday. I didn't finish my meal Sunday. Like I'll be good. But dude, I was like stuffed. What do you guys do? The Turkey, like yeah. traditional Tur stuff. Yeah. Tradition Turkey, uh, Friday, uh, our friends made like brisket, um, like pastas and stuff. Tamales, dude. Already. Tamalito season. We're still good, bro. Really? I know, but you gotta wait. I don't know. I can't, you get pretty tired of tamales. Like, tamales can wear you out. Yeah, yeah, but that, I, that's why I only have them, like, like, in gatherings. I don't I didn't, I don't go out and buy tamales. Like, if we go to someone's house. Dude, if I got you a tamale right now, you're not going to eat a tamale? Of course I'm going to eat a tamale. Yeah, I yeah. can go to Walmart right now for groceries, and there's a tamale lady there. I'm <laughs> buying tamales. Um, where do you land on decorating for Christmas? When is it the right time to decorate for Christmas? There we go. Yeah. So, I... 
She's gonna hate me for this. Yeah. I hate Christmas. <laughs> He's a mean one. I am. <laughs> so we have a we we set up the tree. Um, it's all decorated and stuff. And right next to it, there's a chair. Uh, we have like these two chairs next to it. There's a chair, and then there's a Grinch. I have like a like a life size Grinch sitting in one of the chairs for you. For yeah, she says that it's me. So let me tell you, decorating. I don't mind it. Decorating's cool. We decorated uh like like four or five days after Halloween. We decorate, which is fine. I like Whoa, after Halloween. Yeah. So so like beginning of November. Beginning of November. Christmas. Yeah. Against your will though. Um, kind of, sort of. Okay. So, I, I like, I. Christmas uh, is okay. Okay. <laughs> Christmas is okay. Like it's, as a holiday. As a holiday. Okay. It's okay. Yeah. Um, the decorating. We don't do a lot of decorating. Like we don't do lights and all that stuff. Yeah. We do like the inflatables and they come up and all that stuff. The Christmas tree. I like the Christmas tree. Uh, portion of the decorating. I like when we put it up. We got this little uh, a train, so it like halfway's up the tree. There's a train track. Oh, that's nice. And then dude. yeah, and then you click it, and then it does a little thing around the the, tr- the around the tree. It's pretty cool. So you're, you're you're lighting up right now, just talking about the Christmas tree. Let me so let me t- so the Christmas tree is cool. Okay. Um, we don't do lights, but we do the inflatables, and that's all right. I like the family portion of Christmas. Like, I like the getting together. Uh, a couple years ago, we got together. Uh, my suegra made tamales, right? A bunch of other little side plates. We played this game with the candles. So you lay the candles, and then you, you try and blow out the candles in one blow. And then if you don't get to a certain point, we smash each other with uh, whipped cream pies and all that. <laughs> so that's the cool part. Yeah. The part that I hate, that I... I is the gift giving part. Mm. I hate the gift giving part. Social expectation of. I hate the part where people feel that. Like I have to get presents for 50 people. Yeah. Or I have to get this person three gifts, you know, because, you know, whatever. Or like I we have to go into debt. I don't have like to take out a loan. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. like, or run up your credit cards because I have to go out and buy, like the gift. I could do without the gift giving part. Yeah. I hate giving gifts. Yeah. I hate giving gifts. I hate receiving gifts. Uh-huh. I don't like, I don't like the gift part. That's the part yeah. like for my birthday. I don't like being here for my birthday. So you got to tell. So we take off. Same. Yeah. Like Same. I hate being the center of attention on that day. I don't like the Christmas part of, of I hate the, the tearing the paper and then and throwing it all over at you. So what is it? Yeah. yeah. And I'm sitting in the corner literally with a bag and I'm like, Hey, give me the trash. Let me put the trash in it. Like, <laughs> why is there boxes and paper yeah. all over the oh, floor? Yeah. And then like you tear it. Ah, and then you're like, Oh, it's a sweater. Toss it aside. Oh, next one. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's a whatever. Toss it aside. All right. Next one. And it's really not, it's yeah. not even about the gift. It's like, like everybody kind of focuses on the unboxing and unwrapping and just yeah. like, I don't know. I Christmas is cool. I'm just I'm not a fan of it, yeah. and I particularly hate the gift part. I, I think it, I think it might be like because of the stage you are at, your, or we are at our, in our lives, where it's like if you want something, you're just gonna go buy it. Yeah, yeah. And if you know what I mean, but I think we we're all uh, like subconsciously kind of chasing that dragon. Like when you were a eight year old, 
and your mom surprised you with like a Nintendo or something, or like a Game Boy or like something or even a, a even a Hot Wheels car that you wanted, you yeah. know, that you weren't expecting but that you got. Like I think we we all forget that when you were an innocent little mind, like that gift part was probably the best, unless you have like some traumatic experience, Ozzy. No, I mean I remember I remember being in my grandma's house. Uh, all the cousins were there, and hey, everybody, go to bed because Santa's on the way, yeah. and we'd all pretend, and then we could hear like the rustling. <laughs> all right, everybody, come out, and yeah, and we'd open the gifts, and all. like, yeah, I I get it, but now I think about like I I see it happening, I see people like stressing and shopping and yeah. looking, and so I keep thinking like, I wonder if my mom, I wonder if our parents went through all that, like it's nonsense, like it's yeah. just not, I don't know, and yeah. I. I I don't know. I Christmas is cool. Yeah, I mean that's all I can say about it, dude. Like I, I'm with you. Like I like the decorating. Um, I mean, obviously we waited till after Thanksgiving, not not this after Halloween <laughs> stuff, but after Thanksgiving, you know, my wife really loves to decorate. She complains that I don't help, but this year I think I did a pretty good job about helping. Um, but dude, this morning or last night after we were done decorating, dude, I walked out like all the lights were on inside and outside and stuff, and I was like, oh, it feels nice. Yeah. That Christmas vibe is nice, yeah. you know, and and it's it, like it almost feels nice for like a month, and then January hits and I'm like tear it down, like I want uh -huh. my house back. But I agree, dude. Like for me, like and I I put this up on my Instagram, like holidays, I went Thanksgiving first, like number one holiday for me. Yeah, because well, that's number two for me. Thanksgiving first, and I'll justify it. You're off like kind of half day Wednesday. Everybody does half day Wednesday, mm -hmm. Thursday, Friday. And if you have like a regular job and you're not a realtor, Saturdays and Sundays, even even if you're working, are still pretty chill. Mm -hmm. So it's like a default four day weekend. There's tons of food. There's football, and nobody's expecting to stay up till like two in the morning unless it's like a friendsgiving thing. So you kind of get to get to bed early, sleep in a little bit. In my experience, so for me, Thanksgiving, numero uno. I mean, those are all valid reasons. Yeah, Christmas number two, and only because it's it's a holiday, but. As much as I like to drink and stuff, like I hate staying up late and not being able to sleep in. And Christmas is that. You stay up late waiting for Santa and you gotta wake up in the morning to open presents. So you don't really get to sleep in. Maybe in a grinch, you know? Okay. But there's also friends and family and a lot of food, but then there's the present component that kinda makes it. So Thanksgiving, Christmas, then New Year's, just because there's no way around it, all you're gonna do is party. Is just hanging out for mm -hmm. the most part. People like to dress up. It's nice, you know, like the right. ball drops. There's a lot of hugging and stuff. All that. It's nice. Nice little traditions. So New Year's. Fourth of July, number four. Fourth of July? Fourth of July. Why? You unpatriot. What do you mean, why? <laughs> what are you talking about, dude? Fourth of July is number four. Or it could be number three. It questionably number three. But Fourth of July is number four. You think Fourth of July falls right in there with New Year's? I think it's up there. Because uh -huh. it's, a, it's again, it, it doesn't matter when it lands. It's always 4th of July, but carnitas all the time, little drinks, fireworks. Either you're off the day before or the day after. So, like, and, uh, dude, a lot of people, 4th of July, you get to see a lot of friends and family, too. I think I would, I think, I mean, you're pretty convincing with your arguments on, on, on Thanksgiving, and Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. I think 4th of July would only come 4th because I prefer... The colder month. Mm, so okay. I prefer January to yep. July. Yeah. July is just hot as fuck. Yeah. See, okay, and then, and then add the other component, like hot days. So, like, you're in the pool, like, carnita salad, drinks and stuff. 
I don't know how to swim. Me either, but that's why you build a four, five foot pool. <laughs> Come on, yeah. Um, that's true. And then fifth, Halloween, because it's nice and cool. Damn, Halloween's all the way to fifth? Yeah, because it's cool. The only thing I don't like about Halloween is that stressful three days before Halloween that you haven't picked out a costume. And you're like, what am I going to be this year? I'm not going to wear makeup. Like, I'm not wearing makeup. And then you're just scrambling at, at spirit to come up with a, with, a, with a costume. I mean, there's a lot of people that put in the work, get their costumes in early. Not me. Like, Dang. I'm, I'm getting them last minute, you know? So we're, recycling. we're already thinking about what we're going to be next year. You guys? Yeah. Yes, but see, like, and that's, that's So legit. Halloween's my one. Okay, so that's legit. Like, that's legit. But see, I, I like, for me, the dressing up, like, I like it. But, uh, like, the stress that comes with the dressing up is is almost as stress, not, but it's almost as stressful as, like, the gift giving. Because they're so, like, you're talking about 12 months in advance, dude. Yeah. You're, you're already putting in I'm thought. I'm pre-planning. Oh, yeah. That's wild. Yeah. That's way more thought that you're going to put in a Christmas present you're going to buy your wife next week. Yes. Wild. Yes. Dude. So that's why Halloween's number five. It's still cool, but the pressure of the, the, the costume is insane. The parties are cool. The food's cool. It's nice and cool. It's not too hot. It's nice. It's it's good holiday. Okay. But the pressure of the costumes, bro? I don't know. Bad. I mean, you had me at the beginning of the list. Yeah. You kind of lost me at the end. Yeah. Fourth of July is fourth. Halloween's so low. Top five. Give me your top five. Top, uh, Halloween's number one. Okay. You you literally get to live out a fantasy. You get to be whatever you want to be in this world. Yeah. You could go from uh, from a movie character to to a... Uh, to, uh, you could be a fucking dragon. You could be a... A box of soap. You could be whatever you want to be. If you can afford it. I, my my brother, bless his soul, makes his costumes every single year. And you should see some of the costumes that he comes up with. They're legit. It's like Hollywood movie type. He's spending time, hours, and months. Because we're we're thinking about it in January. <laughs> so okay. Halloween is my number one. Okay. Thanksgiving is my number two. And I would I would even probably classify Thanksgiving as like a 1.5 okay i mean it's just top it's there. it's top tier uh i don't like turkey i mean i'll eat it but i prefer ham yeah all the sides i like the laying out of the long table mm-hmm. i like the family being yeah. there i like the arguments and you know politics i, I love it. the cowboys win uh, yeah <laughs> not so much uh so i would put thanksgiving number two uh i would put new year's number three okay um, I like New. Year. I like the. I like the night, especially if you're. I don't like going out for New Year's yeah. just because it's so crazy and yeah. uh, you know whatever. And then I put every other holiday, including my birthday, last. Oh, but whoa! Everything arrogant. Everything. Your birthday's a holiday. Of course, my birthday is a holiday. Uh, you just said you don't like being the center of attention. I don't like being the center of attention. That's why I put it with Valentine's Day and St. Yeah, Patrick's oh, Day yeah, and all the other yeah, stuff. It's just, uh, it's just a whatever. Uh, like it's a holiday. It's marked in my calendar, <laughs> but it's last. Like yeah. I don't really care about it too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what was number five? I don't have a five. I have three, and then the everything else is four. Top contender. Damn, and you have three, and Christmas wasn't even up there. No. Damn. No, it's not. I'm telling you, Christmas is Christmas yeah. is whatever. Like Christmas. It's cool. Christmas is cool. There's some parts of I enjoy that. My favorite part about Christmas is putting up the Christmas tree. And as a matter of fact, I I I made her wait. Well, she waited about four days. She wanted to put it up November first. Jesus. But scheduling and we had we were waiting on some stuff. And blah, blah, so it just it took a couple of days to yeah. put it up. But she wanted to put it up November first, and she she probably will next year. Um, and then 
December 26th, it's down. Really? Done. Mm. Not good Mexicans? You don't wait till the 6th? No. A los Reyes, man? No. No, no, no. December 26th rolls around. Is that by choice? Or the, or is that that's way? her. No, that's what she doesn't want. It. That's it. She's done. Damn. But you see, she I think she Christmas herself out yeah. since November 1st. By the end of December, she's like, all right, I'm, we're done. Put it away. Damn. Boxes come out. Tupperwares are out. And then everything's gone. Dude, that's crazy. Um, I think we have to talk about the elephant in the room. The fact that we're matching and that we're wearing the same shoes. And that this was completely by accident. Uh, yeah, yes, you're, yours are way cleaner than mine. <laughs> you're, you don't even have crease marks like I do. But I don't. Should. I don't think you could crease these because of the type of leather. But you Dude, somehow you managed it. I caught myself the other day sitting on my chair like Michael Jackson style, like tiptoeing, and I was like, oh, I'm creasing my shoes. My brother, my my son gives me shit all the time because uh, I'll go out and show homes, and I'm always wearing tennis shoes, right? Yeah. And uh, he's like, "What? Why are you wearing those shoes? What? You're gonna get them." They're shoes. Yeah. They're literally yeah. just shoes. Just. Do you buy any shoes that you keep like on ice, like for later? I have some that I'm breaking out this Friday for our company party. What are they? Um, they're the Rich Paul New Balance. They came out this oh, year. Oh, the the, the, yeah. the the purple ones. Yeah. Um, the lavender ones. Yeah. So I'm breaking those out this lavender Friday. Lavender and tan, huh? Yeah. Yeah, those are nice. Uh, I'm breaking out those on Friday. I have. Uh, I have some Filas Filas <laughs> I have some Filas uh, Limited edition Biggies That dropped uh, was that? I think that was last year Okay uh, So the box Is like the album cover The Ready to Die Album oh, cover Yeah And then They came out in like Tan It's like a tan color And then the other one was I think was like a black color Ever gonna wear them? Probably not they're still in, wrapped up and all that. Yeah. And then I have uh, all three Patrick Ewing uh, colorways. Adidas? So the blues, the whites. No, they're, um, I don't even know. I think they're Converse, maybe. I don't I don't even know. But, but the you, box is a big Patrick Ewing box. You bought them recently? I bought them about two years ago. Yeah. Uh, there was a, a re, um, throwback store yeah. right there on Lee Trevino and Treywood okay. that had them. And you saw him, you're like, this uh, is it. I saw him. My brother actually told me about him. Ran over, saw them. I have the blue ones, the white ones, and the orange ones. Nice. Package deal? And or they're or ugly. <laughs> <laughs> they're Dude, fucking ugly shoes. It's, it's funny. It's like you with your hate for the Travis Scott shoes. Like, there's so much hype in them, but... Travis Scott is... Travis Scott's are trash. They're all trash. There's like... With the exception of the fours and the dunks. What about the the lows? The one lows? No, I did love the lows. Trash, really? Trash. They're weird. Do you have like regular one lows? Yeah, the Travis Scott one lows are way more comfortable than an OG one low. Why? The back is different. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Like the, the back, if you haven't worn them, like the the I don't know what the what the heel is called. Mm-hmm. It's different. Like the way it's it's I don't know. It's I think they're ugly though. The, every single colorway that came out is ugly. Like the olive and black. First of all, I don't like black shoes. Oh, okay, okay. I don't right. like black shoes, yeah. but like the olive and black, those are okay. Are I like I like the like the um, damn, what are these called? The uh, what's this collab what that we're wearing right now? The threes? No, no, yeah, yeah, but the fragment, collab. fragment. So the yeah. fragment blues, that colorway is beautiful. It's, no, uh, the no. white with black blue, and blue, and, blue. and then yeah. the cream sole. No, yeah, those are nice. No, they're not. See, I have those on ice because I don't even want to wear them. Like they're, I like them so much, I don't even want to wear them. 
Like my wife got those for me. I don't think it's a nice colorway. What, but like, what about the original tan and black? You don't like those? It's a nice combo. The original tan and black. So like the the high the one highs came out. Uh huh. And they dropped the lows that very first low. Yeah. That was like tan and, and no. like black. No. <laughs> it's too much black. I don't like black shoes. But you'll wear all black outfit. Yes. Okay. But an all black outfit looks better with white shoes. Because of the contrast. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't disagree. I just I I think for me it was just the colors. I think the fours and the dunks. That's it. Are nice. The Air Maxes. That he dropped the the oh uh, yeah yeah like the cross country ones yeah those are nice <laughs> but all the ones so the fours no. the, the you like the 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 blue fours yeah I, I wasn't a big fan of that color I was too light and I had the like back when I was getting those uh, Facebook raffles I won them on a raffle and then I sold them on stocks <laughs> you sold them <laughs> I sold them on stocks no yeah. I I uh I don't know I I've never no and then I get it like the backwards swoosh and all that yeah. but. I could do without. Yeah, little tribe hater. So there you go. That was uh, our conversation. Um, tell me what you think. Uh, you know, did we miss questions? Did we miss topics? Was there something that uh, something that I could have asked? Something that. Uh, he should have answered differently. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I myself am an Apple Music user, but the platform that I use to upload these things recently moved over to Spotify. So I guess if you have Spotify, uh, take a take a <laughs> take a look at uh, listen there. Um, there's a little poll, a little question. Uh, give us some feedback. Let us know uh, what you think and uh, what we could do. Um, I have a couple more of these coming up here in the next uh, next couple of weeks. Uh, very, very few of them real estate related. Um, we got some some pretty cool stuff coming up with uh, some local artists, some local musicians. Um, if you know of uh, anybody interested in sitting down and telling us their story, uh, let me know. Uh, I'll be more than happy to connect with them and, and you know figure things out. Also, the one thing that I wasn't too sure about and one thing that I didn't walk away with, you know, too comfortable with was this whole uh, uh, professional page and, and personal page thing. Um, what do you think? I mean, as a professional, I personally uh, feel that people are a little more comfortable with you knowing who you are. Um, you know, I keep everything that I do under under one banner and, um, you know, it's worked out for me uh for you know, almost ten years now. Um, you know, maybe maybe you do have a, a a business page and and you keep it. You know, keep all your business on there. Um, but you know, I I don't know. I um, I wasn't I wasn't uh, too sure about that. You know, I, I, the whole point was you know, I don't want people to see you know what I'm doing on my downtime. But then again, if 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 you're doing something on your downtime that you don't want people to know about, then you know, maybe you shouldn't post it. You know, there, there's a lot of, I'm talking just as professionals here. There's a lot of professionals that overshare a lot, you know, a lot of stuff that really shouldn't be out there. But um, anyways, you know, tell me what you think. Do you have a, a, as a professional, do you have a professional page and then a personal page? Um, anyways, uh, active on Instagram, active on threads, not so much on Facebook and uh, uh Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, be safe. 
uh, on the holidays. Um, don't overeat. And uh, I'll see you in the next one.